0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thanks Robbie. <clears throat> Evening everyone. It's good to um, see you all out on a cold night. Hopefully you um, get warmed up in here and... Um, if you're not, you'll be sharp in your thoughts. Um, uh, just to say, I really would encourage you to come out on Wednesday night. We're going to be praying for all the Debar churches. They're all going to be here. It'd be great to pray over them. Hopefully 11 or 12 different churches around Ireland, just a few other leaders coming. And it'd be great to pray for the nation and pray over them. So if you can come, it'd be great. And just one other thing is we're really putting a massive push just over December on the NUA Festival, which is coming up next May. Um, you'll see lots of little funny videos up to try and push that over the next wee while. And the early bird just runs out at the end of December. So if you want to get in there where it's a little bit cheaper um, before the end of December, please do that. We'd love you to come. We really believe God's going to do a wonderful thing in that field together over two or three days. Uh, it's going to fall over Pentecost Sunday as well. It just feels like a complete setup, to be honest, by the Holy Spirit and um, we'd love you to kind of get involved in this so if you'd like to avail of the early bird rate do that all right um so <clears throat> this um t- tonight uh, i uh, uh, <laughs> i was gonna say i'm not gonna talk for long but i know you've heard it before um i, I want to share a- about i think i think about 25 minutes or so of stuff and i'd love us to respond to-, to the lord okay i've actually even got less pages and everything just in case and um, you don't believe me but um not not to go really over a, a massive recap or anything, but on this series of do it again um, in our time, do it again, I, I really want to just end and pick up, pick up and end pretty much how Robbie was leading this there before we went into the announcements um, by crying out for the Lord, to the Lord to, to come. Um, oh, let me go back one. Yeah. So on this, on this theme, do it again in our time, we've been looking at some of the preconditions for revival. We've, uh, are the things that, as we trace back over revival history and as we look at the Bible and the subsequent moves of God there that we become aware of certain characteristics, I think, that help us understand the times that we're living in. And so we've taught through each of these different six preconditions back really, I suppose, before um, Halloween and half term. And, and, and all of this has been wrapped up, and this is where we've really been kind of hanging out, if that's the way to put it, or pitching our tent Um, all, all of these things have been wrapped up with an understanding that as we move towards and as we believe God and as we allow him to stir our hearts for a time when he could really move in a way that we've never seen before, all of this is wrapped up in a fresh intrusion of intimacy with God and extravagant worship poured out before the Father. And it seems to me that every move of the Spirit throughout the history of the world is preceded by a passionate and sustained um, movement of prayer and worship, uh, where it seems like moments kind of stand still, where time seems to matter less, where the things that we're kind of controlled by and influenced by and distracted by, we start to get less interested in those things as the Lord grabs hold of our hearts And as we get a fresh captivation of the beauty and the wonder of who Jesus is, and we find ourselves almost impulsively reacting with extravagant worship, with extravagant love, pouring out devotion to Jesus. And I think that's what partly we're stepping into a little bit at the moment. Stepping into like a a, a time when God, I think, is captivating our hearts afresh, where we just pour out our love and devotion. And like we've talked about over the last number of weeks and kept referring to, this idea of Mary in Matthew chapter 26, probably as Mary, not mentioned in Matthew as Mary, but most likely is, pouring that, because Jesus is in Bethany, pouring that expensive nard or perfume over Jesus, it appears that a revival people get so captivated by Jesus that this almost instinctive... uh, almost what other people will describe as a act of costly worship is poured out over Jesus. And as it happens, like other perfume would in the natural, the atmosphere starts to change. Things start to happen when the people of God get captivated by Jesus in such a way that they pour out extravagant worship, extravagant, costly worship. And Mary inspires us not just to give our brokenness to Jesus, not just to come to Jesus to get fixed as, as much as he will do that for us, but to give Jesus our, our very best, to give him our, everything that we are, to honor him for who he is, to honor the person of who Jesus is, to not just worship him for what he's done for us, but mingled with that and all around that, to love him for who he actually is, to become so captivated with who he is that it brings a response of worship. Uh, to our hearts and overflows out of us, and and I really do think that God has been bringing us to that place, because I do believe that God is ready to move. Right, I do believe that if if you if you if you like the analogy of God on his tiptoes, if you like, on the on the kind of peering over heaven, just calling his people to himself, readying his people, calling and preparing, refining that remnant. That they would be ready for what he really wants to do on the earth today. Because there's more of his glory, more of his presence, more of his beauty that he wants to pour out. And the people that got to live through similar moves of the Spirit of God over the last number of years would testify to the same type of anticipation that we're sensing now. Okay, they've spoken to a number of people who have been around when they've seen God moved over the last 50 or 60 years in incredible ways, and they are saying, it's that kind of anticipation, it's that kind of excitement in our spirit that happened in Toronto, that happened in California, that happened in different places around the world. It's that same kind of thing that they're sensing at the moment. And so it feels like the jealousy of the Lord is here. And we were responding last Sunday night to that scripture. Uh, This is the Passion Translator. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says, The Spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. The Spirit of God inside us is like a holy, jealous lover longing for more and more of our hearts as we fall more and more in love with him. It's a powerful verse that that the spirit that God breathed into our hearts, it's not just like this kind of down payment to, not, to get you not out of hell. It's much more than that. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a jealous lover desiring to be one with us in such a deep and intimate way so great is his love for us. And, <clears throat> and so I think that this is what the Lord's doing. He's burning fresh. He's burning fresh love in our hearts. He's burning uh, deep, fiery love in our hearts. And we should remember tonight that that's always been God's desire, hasn't it? It's always been God's desire to be one with us, to have, uh, to have his love in us that is a consuming fire. The same love that the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father is not like a mild kind of friendship. It's not like, a, it's, it's not like it's just a mild acquaintance. Like when you read, particularly the Gospel of John, I was just at a thing conference Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in, in, um, in England, and uh, I got the privilege of listening to a man called David Ford, who's one of the leading New Testament theologians in the UK, and he's writing a commentary on the book of John. It's taken him 19 years, and he's on the last two verses, <laughs> just pouring himself over the Gospel of John, 19 years, just verse after verse after verse. And just sitting, listening to him underneath that was just, it was like waves again of realizing the love that John, the apostle, the one who laid his head on the breast of Jesus, as he got revelation of the love that the Father and the Son had for one another. And how throughout the Gospel of John, there's an invitation for us to join in on that. And I think that's what Jesus is doing at the moment with us as a people. And I think that's where we're going to see Jesus do it again. When we do the work of Allah and His Spirit to draw us into the depth of union that the Father and Son enjoy with one another. That is an incredible thought when you just think about it. That is just the most incredible thing. It's it's much more than some of us have been taught. You know, you just you just need to get saved and, and, and you do. But over and above that, we get saved into enjoying this depth of friendship and this depth of relationship that Jesus and the Father enjoy. In in first in John chapter one verse eighteen. Let me go back one. Yeah, it says no man hath seen God. This is a King James because I like the way it says it. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He has or He hath <laughs> declared Him. Right. And at the start of the year, I felt the Lord had given me this verse, actually, and it kind of went out of my head recently, and I've just remembered it again and brought to my attention that, you know, when you think of this, nobody has ever seen God, but Jesus, the only Son who is in the bosom of the Father, who is cherished by the Father, who is right beside the Father's heart, he has declared him, right? That is a powerful, powerful verse, first of all, just to think of Jesus and the Father, But then as you read the book of John, and I'll take time to go through that tonight, but there's numerous times it's like the underlying message is that you are invited into that fellowship. You are invited into that love. You are invited into that bosom too. You are invited to share in the love that the Father and the Son have for one another. It's not exclusive to them. They are inviting us in. And that culminates, if you like, in John chapter 17, which is probably one of the most important passages in the Bible, and Jesus prays before he goes back to heaven. So 17 chapters later after this verse, this is the words of Jesus himself. And I, I, there's a few, there's five or six, uh, five or six um, slides here, so just bear with me as I read them, because this is a part of the prayer of Jesus. And I just want you to feel the words of Jesus and what I think the invitation to all of us is tonight. And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us. There it is. Do you see it? I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory that you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live, you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Jesus' prayer was that you would get that the Father loves you the same way he loves Jesus. Like, for a moment or two, like, just holy smoke. You know, holy God, more like it. That's who he is. A holy God who loves you. And Jesus' prayer is that you would get that. Jesus' prayer tonight was that you would get it that you would get, his prayer before he goes to the cross is, Father, help them to know that the love that you love me, that you love them with. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my full glory, the very splendor you have placed upon me because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous father, but the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me. I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them, even as I live in them. Just incredible, incredible words. I mean, like you could just meditate on that for a whole year. That's the longing of the Father and Jesus for us to know. Jesus, who is the one in the bosom of the Father, who in a sense left the bosom of the Father, physically speaking, even though he was still one of them. He left that place to come to earth to tell us that's where he wants to bring us. And he goes to the cross and he rises from the dead in order to make a way possible for that to happen. And so what, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that today for a real reason, because it, for, this is where I think the Lord's bringing us to, this depth of intimacy. And the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, I believe, right, and I think I'm backed up by scripture and by church history and theologians over the years, that, that I believe that the, the Holy Spirit, the, thir- the third member of the Trinity, is the, in a sense the personification of the love of the Father and the Son. So if you wanted to define who the Spirit is, he, he carries, He is by definition, if you like, the love of the Father and the Son. So that when the Spirit of God comes upon us, Right? we should experience and we are tied into and drawn into the love of the Father and the Son. The love that the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father, it's like a raging fire. It burns deep. The love that they have for one another is so intense. It's a creative force or energy, if you want, or it's a spirit. And that spirit comes to us And invites us into that relationship and lives in us. In Romans it says you can't know the Father without the Spirit. It's the Spirit that brings and sheds abroad in our hearts the love of the Father. And so it's through the spirit that we get knitted in our spirits. We get like knitted in our spirit. It's not a mind thing initially. It's a spirit thing. We get knitted in our innermost being. The part of us that was created for something transcendent, something beyond ourselves. That part of us gets knitted into the love that the father has for the son and the son has for the father. We get knitted into the bosom of the father where Jesus lives. And so I want to propose to you tonight for you to help me to discern, I think that's what the Lord's doing with us at the moment in a whole new level, a whole new depth of the glory of that level of intimacy, a whole new depth of the beauty of that level of relationship with Jesus. And so that's why some of us, and hopefully all of us, are finding ourselves wanting to give more to Jesus, wanting to pour out more to Jesus, wanting to stay a little bit later on these Sunday nights wanting to get up maybe a little bit earlier in the mornings because he's calling us into a depth of a purity of love which was the love that we were always created to know and you're being invited and called into it and as we pour out more as we almost impulsively and instinctively and other people will think it's irresponsible and other people might say why the waste but as we do that and as we go further and deeper into that place like the woman who poured that nard over Jesus it releases into the atmosphere a different smell it releases something into the atmosphere and things start to change around us and that's why revival people or a revival generation or the remnant that experience a move of god's spirit are it's always preceded by something like what's happening to us right now and so i want to say this to you because i want you to know this thing is on And part of it is obviously a sovereign move of God, but there's a sense in which part of it does depend on us. Your hunger will work for you. Your hunger will drive you on. And I want to encourage you in these days to ask the Holy Spirit to keep us and to keep you and to keep me hungry. Because in my head sometimes I hear this voice of doubt. Even this week, Alan, you're going to do this series another night? You want to get up there for another night and tell everybody about revival and try and get everybody to believe that it could happen and it might happen and what are you going to talk about this week? How are you going to keep it fresh? How are you going to keep creative? What sort of slant are you going to be? You know, all that kind of stuff that goes into your head. And then I have to remind myself, it's not really about my head, it's about my spirit. And that in my spirit, something is happening. In my spirit, I've never felt like I've loved Jesus as much as I love him right now. In my spirit, I know that there's something that God wants to do beyond what I could ever have imagined. In my spirit, I know that this is the reason why I was born. In my spirit, I've realized even this year that for the rest of my life, this is what I'm living for, right? It's like a thing of the spirit, okay? And so um, I was reading this, so blessed by this verse in 1 Peter. It's, it, it, this is the best way I can sum it up. It's so simple. Though you have not seen him, you love him. <laughs> That's what it feels like for me at the moment. I can't see, like I can't physically see Jesus like Peter did and like John did. And that's what he's saying to this early church. They got to see him and touch him and handle him and be around him. But us, we we never got to do that. But by the Spirit, we know that no, we don't see him. We just, we love him. And you're maybe here tonight and maybe you've never even trusted Jesus or maybe you're an early follower of Jesus or maybe you're a nominal Christian and, and you have kind of struggled with all the things of religion that are a bit like theme of bit stuffy and boring. But even in your spirit, even as I say this tonight, maybe part of you's going, I haven't seen him. I don't even really fully know what you're talking about. But something in my spirit is wailing here because though I haven't seen him, I love him. And even though we do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls even though we don't see him, we love him and um, and so I don't think I don't think we have to say like Jesus said to the, in, in that parable or to, 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 to the the disciples after the, sorry, the, not the, the parable, but the, after he had led the Samaritan woman at the well to Jesus and they went, she went to Samaria and they reckoned she was coming back with all the people from Samaria. And Jesus said, you don't have to wait four months for the harvest. It's now. And I, and I just want to be bold enough to say, and I have faith to say tonight, that we're, not, we're definitely not seeing everything we want to see, but I have faith to say this thing is on. The spirit is at work, and I, I, I want in, and I don't want to miss out, <laughs> and and I want everybody to be in. <laughs> it's kind of my personality. I want everyone to, want anyone to miss out. This God is moving. I felt the Lord say to me at the start of the year. Maybe even said this at one point. He said, "I'll position yourself. Start living now, like you would if you were in revival." And I got my journal out, and I got really practical. I wrote 10 things that I would want to do, 10 ways I'd want to live. And I have failed at some of them over the last 11 months. But in those 11 months, I've kind of tried to press in, tried to lean in, tried to keep moving towards that. And I find myself at this point of the year thinking and believing for that more than anything else. And so for the last 10 minutes, this is what I think is going to be part of the next stage, if you like, as we move, part of what I think the Lord is doing and part of the confirmation for what all I've just said is what I think is going to start being released in and through God's people and in and through us. And it's already happening, by the way. I think we've seen some first fruits of it. Is I feel like there's going to be a new sense of um, groaning, yearning, travailing, weeping, crying i think that's going to be a confirmation i think even the lord as we respond that maybe wants to release some of that it's like a heart cry we're seeing it around the world at the minute it's happening in god's church in different parts of the western world because we just we've reached an impasse we have just reached a place where culture's just exhausted itself our moral compass is absolutely skewed nobody knows where it is We're ethically, politically, socially, and culturally completely up the creek without a paddle. And yet most people are still pushing on, believing that some kind of form of utopia is going to come. And it's an absolute nonsense. And the people of God are realizing that they have played the game as well, unfortunately, for far too long. And they've got got into this stuff because they love Jesus and they wanted to change the world. And now they're playing the politics game. And now they're trying to keep the church happy. And now they're trying to maintain structures and da-da-da. Right? And so people are finding all around the world at the moment that they're on their knees. And they're crying out to God. And they're travailing. And they're repenting. And they're yearning. And they're groaning. And I think God is doing that and wants to do that more. And I don't think you should try and make that happen. But I do think if you open your life to the Spirit of God, He will allow that to happen in the days ahead. It's like the breath of God Himself. The ruach, the wind of the God spirit, is finding bodies, actual bodies, like this. Like there's nothing special about this. This is the this is the awesomeness about this. This thing that's made from the dust. God finds bodies, and more importantly, hearts within those bodies, that He can say, I'm gonna allow who I am to be expressed through that. God is actually saying I want to pray my own heart through you and I think that's the invitation for you tonight and for all of us tonight do you want to allow God's own dream God's own deepest desire to be prayed through your own being and if that all sounds a wee bit strange tonight let me give you one passage of scripture we're going to take 10 minutes or so on this and then we're going to respond Here's the scripture. You'll, some of you will know it well. Romans chapter 8. Sorry, that's a little bit small, but let me, let me read it to you. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry. There's, there's one of the first ones. Cry, or we groan. Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. See, see what's happening? The Spirit testifies with our spirit, right? That the, spirit, the Spirit of God, right? The love of the Father and the Son is the Spirit of God knitting, knitting with our spirit, telling our spirit that we are children of God. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. You know when you have all those doubts in your head and you put your head in the pillow at night and you just like say, I'm not going to listen to the doubts in my head anymore. I'm just going to listen that deep down in my knower, as we call it around here, the Spirit testifies with my spirit. I'm a child of God. Incredible, incredible. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not, worthy, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation itself waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. But the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself, creation itself, would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Now watch for the groanings. We know that the whole creation has been groaning. Right? And it doesn't look like it's a mild groan, as in the pains of childbirth. Now, I haven't given birth, but I've watched my wife do it three times, right? And it's proper groaning, right? Proper groaning. Giving birth to something beautiful. It's painful. Right up to the present time. But not only not only so, but we ourselves. So creation is groaning, but not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly. We groan as we await. Eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies; for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? <laughs> Hoping for revival, can't, you can't, we can't see it. Yeah? But who hopes for what they already have anyway? Why, not, why let your limitations, or, or, or why, why, let, why let your imagination be limited to just what you have? Saying you never hope for nothing. The Spirit of God is hoping through us for something that we cannot yet see. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us with wordless groans. There it is again. And so what I want to try and draw this to conclusion with by saying is, yeah. just went off. My notes have done something wrong there with my keynote. There's three particular groans I just want to leave with you. There is the groaning of God's people, the groan of sonship for the redemption of our bodies. And that groaning is the groaning of intimacy, the groaning of adoption, the groaning of more of our security, more of our identity in the Father. It's with the people of God who, have, who, this verse is saying, who have experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, continue to pray and cry, Abba, Father, come and fulfill me totally. Come and make me whole in you. Right? So there's a groaning of God's people crying out for intimacy with the very source of the breath that's in their body. And then the second one is there's the groaning of creation. The longing of the very world itself to be redeemed from the curse of sin. If you know your Bible a little bit, you'll know in Genesis chapter one that sin didn't just enter into the human heart, it entered into the very ground itself, yeah? It came under the decay and frustration of sin. And all of creation is groaning, all of humanity is built into that. You see, the idea of revival is built into the very fabric of creation. The idea of renewal is built into it. It's longing for something, yeah? And, and so we only have to look around the world at the minute. Just look at Hong Kong. Look at Lebanon. Look at um, the kind of marches that are happening on the political fronts at the moment where people are disenchanted, don't really know how elections are going to go, all of that kind of stuff. Look at the climate change protests. Look at all of that stuff. Creation is groaning. And you, you don't have to have an opinion politically or not to realize something is happening. Something is shifting. The creation is groaning for something that it doesn't even know what it necessarily is. But creation is groaning. And thirdly, the spirit is groaning. The groaning of the Spirit through God's people, the intercession of the Spirit, God's own prayers being prayed through God's people. And I feel like the groans and the yearnings are kind of coming together. We sung tonight in that Christmas carol, which tends to make us sentimental. But if we look a little bit closer beyond the kind of jingle of the song or the melody, we'd realize some of the words are actually really profound. And heaven and nature sing yeah, he- heaven and nature, the groanings of God, the groanings of creation, singing together, joy to the world, yeah, the Lord is coming, and he's coming again, and so when the groan, and this is what I think happens, this is, this is my take, when the groaning of God's people for the groaning of intimacy, that first groan, God, come and fulfill who we are, come and help us to know the source of our identity, the source of our sonship, our daughterhood, the source of our love, the source of our identity is all in you. Come and fill us more with your spirit. Come and remind us of who we are before you. When that groaning, okay, of sonship mingles, if you like, with the groaning of creation and the people of God look out at creation and look out at the decay and the frustration of creation and don't judge the world and don't become critical with the world but identify with the ache that is in the world, identify with the pain that is in the world and allow themselves to feel like Jesus did when he looked out over the crowds, the compassion of Jesus looking out under the crowds, how he would love to have gathered them as a mother hen would have gathered her chicks. In that same way, When we identify with the groaning of creation, then what happens is the third groan kind of takes over. And it's the groaning of the Spirit, God's own prayer praying through you. And it's just really what Robbie said at the end of the first set of worship Come, Lord Jesus. That's where it starts. Maranatha. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. You know, the revival that we're praying for could be the return of the Lord. Could be. It could be the return of the Lord. And I know when you're 15, 16, or whatever, when you're young, you're thinking, oh God, there's still too much to do before you come back. Still too much things to experience and enjoy. And I understand that in the natural. But what I tell you, when you see Jesus, every single desire that you have will be fulfilled and more. Right? And so, when we cry out for revival, when we say "Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus," we could be in, we could be praying in the return of Jesus Christ. But if we don't, the full con- the full consummation of Jesus' return. But if we don't, we could live through an experience of what it is going to be like when Jesus does finally come, because that's what revival is—an inbreaking of heaven on the earth, where we get a glimpse of what heaven is breaking out on the earth and the the groaning of the Spirit, while it's painful, if you like, and while it causes the weep to reveal, it's a groaning, and you need, you need to understand this, it's a groaning of hope. <laughs> it's a longing of hope, hope which we cannot see, but hope which we are convinced of. This hope is for the redemption of all things, everything that's broken, every single thing that's broken, everything that's fractured, every relationship that's broken, every family that's broken, every sexuality that's broken, every mind that's broken. In and through the cross of Jesus Christ, everything, everything is being made new. The choice for the people of God is, do you want to join in? Do you want to join in with the groanings the wordless groans of the Spirit, to birth the Kingdom of God on the earth in new ways, to release the Spirit of God into the atmosphere. This is the 24-7 conference and a friend of mine called Maxi, he leads a youth Catholic charismatic movement in Austria. And if me and him sat down and talked about all of our theology, we might have a few differences. Not much, to be honest. But some, probably. But he really, really loves Jesus. And he really loves the Spirit. And he really loves God's church. And he wants to pray for the sick. And and I'm sure he saw the sick healed. And as I sat on my knees, knelt in worship, and he was kneeling over there, I just felt that my spirit I should go over and put my arm around him and we should pray together. And I went over him and when I, got, when I got beside him, it was a bit embarrassing actually because he's quite tall, he's taller than me even and he was quite upright on his knees and I put my arm around him to pray for him and so my head was kind of tucked in almost like his chest and as soon as I put an embrace around him I went to pray, I just started to weep. I mean like when I say I, weeped, I was like I was like four year old like crying because I didn't get me ice cream. I mean, like I was like, fully. It's a long time since I have cried like it in my life. And every time I went to say something, I just cried a bit more. And the funny thing about it was, he just kind of stroked my hair <laughs> and patted me on the head. And the more he stroked my hair and the more he patted on the head, the more I cried. And we re- we never have a chat. We never had a chat about it until two weeks later. We emailed each other, and I said. I'm really sorry if that was embarrassing, but I think it was the Lord. And he said, I just think it was good for us to be together and allow the Lord to do his thing. It was just just the groanings of the Spirit, I think, for God's people to be one. Now, I'm not talking about institutions being one, but the people who necessarily, I'm talking about the people who love Jesus, the groanings of his Spirit for a people who will love him and love one another. And so as I finish, maybe the band would get up um, and just get ready to lead us. Uh, i just love you to listen to this picture that I had about uh, three weeks ago. And this, this is what I feel like just to lead us into response, the Lord maybe wants to do. I was just meditating on where we're at at the moment, and I had this picture of a car, almost like a racing car in a Formula One kind of track. And I saw this car, and it was almost like one. Of the car was behind another car on the track, and it felt like the Lord was saying, "I want the car that's behind the car in front to move out. You've been in the slipstream for far too long, and now it's time to change gear." That was the initial thing I heard, change gear, and I just assumed that that meant, "Oh, you need to go into a higher gear again because you're moving up, th- you're moving up another level." But it felt that it was like the Spirit was saying, "No, I need you to actually move down a gear in depth, because for that car." to overtake another car. It's been in the slip, slipstream for long enough, and now it's time to actually drop down a gear, feel the revs of the car, move out, change your posture a little bit, and take over that car in order to move in to the new place that I have for you. And I just feel for us as a church, we're coming to this place where God has calling some of us to drop down a gear, and the raves, you know, you're going to feel that the engine itself is going to rave up because the very heart and spirit of it is going to start groaning. And it's those groans that are going to push us through into a new place, in the spirit of where God wants to bring us. It's those groans that are going to birth something new. And so we have to be careful with that because in corporate settings, Sometimes that can be a little bit intimidating because, to be fair, most people don't give birth in public, right? But when the Spirit moves, sometimes these things happen to people. And so we need to create safe enough environments for that to happen and also appropriate environments for that to happen. But what I want to say to you tonight is I believe there is an invitation by the Spirit. And I just think the Father's saying to some of you would, you, would you let me pray? Would you let me pray my heart through you? Would you let me partner with your heart? It's like God, the Father, really, really longs to partner with you. It's it's, it's an incredible privilege, and I don't care if you're 55 or you're 5 or 15. It's an incredible privilege that the Holy Spirit, that, God, that the Father through the Spirit would say, listen, I, I actually, I'm actually always wanted to do this with you. I wanted to join with your heart. I want to join with your heart. And together, we want to pray in. We want to pray in the work of Christ on the cross. We want to pray in the redemption of all things. We want to give birth to the new things of the Spirit. Remember, if you're born again, you're born from above. Right? It's not an intellectual ascent to something. You're born in and of the Spirit. You're born into another kingdom. It's a Spirit thing. It's not primarily a mind thing, it's a spirit thing. And the invitation is here, I think, for us as a body tonight to say, God, you know what, been in the slipstream of some stuff for far too long, and if we keep just staying, we're going to stay behind a car. The reality is you can stay there, but you're going to finish second. Or you can drop down the rails, allow the spirit to do something in you, change what you need to change in order to get into that lane, overtaken lane, and let the spirit take you into that new place that God wants you to do. And uh, live for him in tonight so why don't we stand tonight and so um, Robbie said it brilliantly tonight you know that <clears throat> when it comes to that word advent which we started today it's not just in our heads the time just to open and get the chocolates as we think about Santa coming on Christmas day it's a time in the, in the church's calendar where they remember the now and the not yet where they remember that the first time that Jesus came reminds us of the second time he's going to come. And we live in that in-between space. Karl Barth said something along the lines of the church's kind of calendar is always Advent in that regard because we're living in that space in between. And we get to join in tonight. And so if you just felt the Holy Spirit speak to you tonight about this, I'm going to invite you to come and just stand here tonight. And we're not going to like, Dramatize this or sensationalize this in any way. I want you just to come. And if all you're saying tonight is Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. I think we're going to sing, Come, Lord Jesus, come, all of you And um, Holy Spirit, come, that song. And it just as your sign of response, and this could be really personal. You know, I feel like for some of you, there's actually a situation in your own family and you've kind of ran out of words to pray. And the the Holy Spirit just wants you to know that He wants to release those wordless groans through you and that every single one of them is heard. And He takes those groans and He releases something into the atmosphere around you as you pray them unto the Lord. And so if you feel for um, the Holy Spirit just inviting you to join with Him in a whole new way of intercession and prayer, I just want to encourage you to come and stand in this space tonight as we sing this. It might be for a personal situation. It might be for the nation of Ireland. It might be for your street, for your workplace. But I believe as we do, the Lord's going to birth and release some things. I believe I uh, was praying on the way in here, felt like there's going to be fresh faith for the impossible released as we come and discern the Lord together. Okay, so just as a band leader, come and stand if you want to respond tonight. And let's join in this. Uh, it's joining this course of song, this groan of a song together. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk